Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Mostly Horror early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We better get back because it'll be dark soon and they mostly come at night. Mostly. 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 Welcome to Mostly Horror. Mostly. I'm Steve. And I am Sean. And we got... What's up, dudes? episode for you. Another another, one. We caught one. We did. Another one. We we casted our net and we reeled it back in and we got another one. Lo Uh, and behold... Bo An and Lee Hold. We have um Jenna Cannell on this week's episode. Yeah, we do. You may know them from Terrifier, The Bye Bye Man, WandaVision, mm-hmm. Renfield, that we've talked yeah, about dude. a little bit on this podcast already. Jenna is the best. Um, mm-hmm. some of my favorite, I would say, important conversations that we've had recently. Not that our conversations are unimportant normally on this show. But I think that we have some very important conversations with Jenna that uh, mm-hmm. it was an absolute pleasure to uh, get her thoughts on. So, yeah, that's what's coming in, in the middle of this episode. Um, agreed, agreed, agreed. As always, before that, it's a little bit of uh, it's it's time for a little bit of you may already know this or <laughs> what is what the fuck is this segment called? It's, you probably already know I think this. It's- you probably already know this. Yeah. You You're the one know that, this. Yeah. We know the names of our bits. <laughs> you probably already know this. Chelsea, run the run the run the clip. I'm sure you already knew that. You only tell me stuff I already know. You already know what I'm going to tell you. All right. Uh well, do you do you got things, Sean? Do I I got I don't things. have anything specific. I'm I'm just peeking. I I uh like I said, I, I didn't have anything specific in mind that we haven't talked about yet, but I am looking at um, Bloody Disgusting. They have an article called by by Megan Navarra, uh, Bloody Disgusting Summer 2023 Horror Preview, preview uh, 29 Horror mm. Movies You Don't Want to Miss. And there is some stuff in here, but I, I don't even feel 
like I could talk about it because I'm just now taking in some of these. Um, mm-hmm. But anything but sticking it out honestly to you? has me. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely interesting stuff. I I mean, it's interesting that, you know, in July we got uh, the next Insidious movie coming. I have already said in that July? I don't. That's what this says. It says, uh, wow. let me find it again. Yep. It says, right. It seems soon. It seems like. Yeah, kind of just kicked out. out I haven't, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any promotions, any commercials, nothing for that. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Insidious: The Red Door, and it says July seventh, uh, theaters. Um, but dude, I'm seeing at least th- these are just stills I'm going off of. But we might hurt each other. Ju- July eleventh, um, Quicksand, <laughs> July twenty third. Uh, obviously excited for the Blackening. Um, have you heard of Brooklyn forty five? Do you know anything about that? Yes, it premiered at South by Southwest. It's I like I think it's some just older learning about it. Some older folks host hosting a séance or something along those lines. Maybe I'm wrong. Yep. This says uh, this says oh god, I'm so bad at people's last names. Ted something <laughs> is back this year with Shutter's supernatural horror movie Brooklyn 45. The guy who did Mohawk and We Are Still Here. It's G G O. How do you? All right, G E O. I can't you out. I'm not G, looking at it. G E O G H E G A N. I feel like it's reasonable that G-O-N? I don't know how to say that. G O N. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm Ted. so sorry, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> Ted. We deeply apologize. But is back this year with Shutter's supernatural horror movie, Brooklyn Forty Five. Five military vets gather in a New York brownstone on December twenty seventh, nineteen forty five, to catch up over drinks but an impromptu seance derails everything and the little still just kind of looks mm-hmm. fun i honestly thought that it was for a haunted mansion or something for a second mm. but i do um, yeah i do i know the still that you're talking about because yeah it, it it i don't know if it premiered or at least showed at south by when i was there um got you. i didn't get to see it obviously but there was a dude there's a lot of stuff that was premiering at south by like angry mm-hmm. black girl and her monster which we were yep. lucky enough to watch recently um yeah the brooklyn 45 talk to me um you got there's like a a found footage late night film called late night with the Mm -hmm. devil that looks with um dave destelmachian which looks really cool um i've been slacking there's so much coming out it's hard to keep up man a lot of stuff a lot of stuff we gotta well we gotta recoup and and look at the calendar um bloody disgusting's horror calendar uh is is probably a good place to start yep um so yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff coming out. I I have some news as of you know from a couple of days ago. If you're you're interested, um, anyone I'm super interested, Steve? Anyone that's listening uh, needs to know that this year is the 20th anniversary of Park Chan Wook's Old Boy, which is yes. a, in my opinion, masterpiece of cinema and also of genre yep. cinema. Um, they Neon uh, is bringing back Old Boy, restored and remastered to theaters on august 16th so we do have a little bit of time before that comes out but they put out a trailer um obviously for a movie that's been out for 20 years but they put out a trailer it got me hype it's gonna look great that movie is fuck yeah uncomfortable and and wonderful um we got to watch that well my my first viewing of that movie was early pandemic um Mm -hmm. when we were doing our our movie a night uh, yeah movie a night with our friends scattered about and you had Mm -hmm. the big uh projector screen that would come down Mm -hmm. from our ceiling um 
and it was great. And the idea of seeing it in an actual theater sounds great. It just feels like a, a perfect like theater watch. Um, I think yeah. we were just talking about this the other day. Did you, you said you haven't seen the American one, right? They they did a, a remake, right? I've never seen the Josh Brolin one. Do. Yeah, Josh Brolin. There, yeah. yeah. Um, part of me wants to like see that now, just out of curiosity. But everyone listening, watch the original. Yeah, you know, if I'm saying watch, I would watch the American one just out of fucking like why? Yeah, just like, why did it need to happen? Yeah. Just curiosity and and whatever. I don't. I can't imagine them doing like the octopus or squid part the way the old boy. Did. No, I it's, don't know. it's it, that's too, what I mean. It it has to so be insane. different. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so insane. So that's coming out. Shout out to Neon for uh, for always being behind international cinema uh, in a way that most production yes. houses aren't. Um, speaking of, I guess this is an international cinema, but Yorgos Lanthimos is an international director. We already talked about poor things being announced, but they released the teaser for it, uh, which I allowed myself to watch because it's only 30 seconds um, and it looks wild and unlike anything that he has done. In terms of visuals, um, I would recommend you watch it, Sean. It doesn't. Yeah. It, there's nothing like. Okay, it's a good trailer. You, it's a decent. You made. It's not even a trailer. It's like ten shots, <laughs> but some Perfect. of them are just insane to look at. Um, yeah. And you're just like, holy shit! It looks like. Uh, I don't know. It looks like he's making a Dr. Seuss film. I don't even know what what to say. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. so really quick, I want to say you know we're always talking about like uh, going into movies blind, not watching trailers, things like that. But it, part of me wants to any good trailers that we can find, I want to like promote them so that hopefully we can get back to a place where like trailers are a reasonable thing to watch again. It would be awesome if, if I could watch fucking trailers and it not ruin movies for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say like, this is, this is a teaser. It's not a full trailer. There's nothing story about it. You get to see each character really quick. Um, a couple, Mm -hmm. a couple of Emma stone, um, and then you get to see some scenery, but it looks um, magical. I will say, while we're on the note of trailers, um, I don't, I don't think we talked about the Meg Two, did we? I don't think we've talked about the Meg Two yet. You came uh, out of your bedroom very excited, and you made an yeah. uh, like a an announcement to the apartment. Um, but that's about as far as the conversation went. <laughs> I wasn't aware. That there was a Meg Two being made, and the Meg, yeah. the original Meg, is not by any means, I would say, a in a, an objectively good film. It is a fun movie about a megalodon and Jason Statham, uh, and they have turned the knob to Wumbo <laughs> on this one. Yes, the trailer. The trailer is. I wouldn't recommend watching the trailer because it shows so much. And all that I can hope is that there is twice as much in the actual movie. Um, but holy shit balls is the trailer crazy for the Meg 2. And it has me so excited. I think it comes out in July or, or yeah. March or March. What? July or August. I know how months work. I wasn't. It's so funny. Um, who's who's in the first one? What's that, that actor's name? Jason Statham. Guy that's in, Jason Statham. I think and something Wilson. about him was just kind of that's true was just kind of goofy to me. Like, I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. think I was just expecting it to be this, like, kind of goofy, nothing but action, whatever. And so I remember that first movie came out, and I didn't watch it for a long time, and you and Bruce were all about it, and I just was like, ah, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we, I had fun when I finally watched it, and I, I feel more excited about this one because at, at the end of the day, it's a giant, mo- it's a kaiju movie. It's a giant monster this movie, is, man. Yeah, so, and this, this has all the vibes of a, like... I don't even want to say Fast and Furious movie because it's not even I don't I don't know if there's going to be any like meaty emotional plot to this. It just looks like 
lot there's monsters and we need to put them back yeah uh definitely. which is all that i want and or need it feels like pacific rim me in that sense right even i yeah. guess pacific rim has a Damn. good emotional core but um regardless if you want to watch the trailer and see all the crazy shit in the meg too watch it uh otherwise just look at the poster and and yeah wait till it comes out um yeah. director of into the earth is doing that which is uh a movie that came out last year um just some other quick news things that you may know mm-hmm. uh you may already know this but um Willem Dafoe has been added to the cast of Beetlejuice 2, which is uh, the cast that. is fully, fully coming into mm-hmm. shape now, um, you know, with with Winona and, and Michael Keaton and Jenna Ortega. Yeah. Um, so we also have and and Justin Thoreau. Um, shout out to Justin Thoreau. Now we got Willem Dafoe. We love a rhyming cast. Um, <laughs> so that should be fun. Uh, so really so, quick before you yep. before you go on, um, I just want to say that I I haven't fully explored this yet, but the past like two three days, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the hate that Jenna Ortega mm-hmm. is getting with this announcement. Mm-hmm. It's like people, a lot of people, I guess, are are saying that that the issue with this movie is that Jenna Ortega is attached, and it's a clear like uh, a clear grab at like teen whatever Mm -hmm. for today and i was like what are you what are you talking about like she's the furthest thing from the issue like i think that's great casting you know like if we're gonna get a images too for for lydia's daughter i think that that's fucking awesome and jenna ortega is a is a national treasure right she is a a talent especially in this this genre this community so i don't understand that at all um we've already had a brief discussion about our worries about the movie because you know when when tim Tim digital yeah it yeah tim tim burton is going to be the problem with beetlejuice too unfortunately uh and and just studios in general um and his his um you know uh daddy daddy and sugar baby relationship with studios is, is what i oh yeah I was like, what? <laughs> what i assume is what happened to tim i don't know what happened to tim burton but um but yeah i just thought i just wanted to put that out there that if you're a listener i can't imagine that you're hanging out with us and you're hating on jenna ortega but if you are stop it and if you see other people yeah. doing it tell them tell them tell them to fucking nope. shove it yeah tell them to fucking yeah. shove it what steve said tell them steve said yeah. to fucking shove it and that steve sean said, said yeah shove it yeah, yeah. I I have no qualms with Jenna. Um, not a, not she's a great in everything I've seen her in. Uh, yes. as long as it's a good a good thing, or, or right. well written or well made. Um, a couple of other really quick things. Uh, we recently talked with Catherine Isabel, who is in American Mary. Yes, um, the directors of American Mary, the Soska sisters, are directing mm-hmm. a horror film called Festival of the Living Dead, which is inspired by Night Ooh. of the Living Dead um very nice yeah it's 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 a new film based on you know george romero's classic uh we mm-hmm. have someone from the new i know what you did last summer uh ashley moore and then cameron Bikendova from gotham who are going to star in this um basically it says in festival of the living dead it's been over 50 years since night of the living dead's original zombie attack and the horrific events have become the subject of morbid nostalgia looking for fun ash and her friends attend festival of the living dead um, and basically some shit happens and I think you can guess, um, where it's going to go. Um, sure. so this film's coming to Tubi this fall. Um, sounds like an exciting premise, bro. If you guys are sleeping on Tubi, Tubi is like the shit. I have been fucking with Tubi hard. Have you been, do you mess with Tubi at all? No, no? Tubi sick. Eight. First off free. Secondly, 
so many titles. Um, the horror section is nuts. It, when I signed in, I was like, is this a horror app? It, I must've just like, they must've, maybe I signed in before and forgot about it and looked at mm-hmm. a couple things, but they catered to that. They're like, Oh, this dude likes spooky. And that's the only shit that I see when I open that app is just like interesting, great horror movies. Um, and it got, dude, it had me watch it. Well, I'll bring it up later, but, um, <laughs> but dude, Tubi is awesome. And I actually think I just saw Jared Krzyzewski um talking about, about it on twitter yep all right yep, yep. shooby dooby so i'll check out tubi that sounds sounds good um Shooby-dooby. last quick thing <laughs> they should use that as an ad last quick thing that you may already know uh the person who wrote the con the original story for the conjuring um who he wrote it named it and created the roadmap his name is tony de rosa grund um he's developing a series called the haunted it's basically going to be a franchise a franchise that is a a paranormal horror franchise based on what they call verifiable actual events which i don't know how i feel about that when it comes to paranormal things but um it's something that synodyme and screambox are kind of teaming up and doing um, and basically, they're going to try to emulate, you know, the prior success of The Conjuring with sequels, prequels, things of that nature. Um, and yeah, they're they're focusing on like real, quote unquote, real paranormal stories. Um, sure. Which is obviously what The Conjuring has done as well. Okay. So let me say this to that. A, it's the, if you're saying it's the guy that wrote the first one, like the yeah. first one. Okay. Like he took that took gives the original me... thing yes. that happened and yeah. turned it into a screen story. Sure. Um, the first Conjuring is great. I think it mm-hmm. is one of the better haunting movies that has come out in a in a minute. Um, I fucking love it. I do not love what you know happened with that universe. We've obviously talked about that a lot, but the idea that he's that he wants to do this, I think, is great. When it comes to the paranormal thing. Um, we've obviously talked about paranormal belief stuff in the past. I think that regardless of whether or not any of that stuff's real, there are certain ghost stories that are just really famous. Um, so whether or not they're based on cons or or, or mm-hmm. whatever, the idea of taking like famous known hauntings and, and situations mm-hmm. like that and turning them into into stuff like this, I think is also fun. Um, yeah. You know, it, for me, for me, where I am, I grew up believing 100% in that stuff. I don't know where I stand on any of it now, but to me, that yeah. is still fun, even if I'm leaning on the, you know, I think for sure skeptical yeah, side. I think using the like platform of like this is this is claimed to be a paranormal event, and then making mm-hmm. a adaptation of the event makes sense. It's fine. Um, yeah. I just don't want to be like this is based on a true story. <laughs> Nothing. Well, that's not I mean, that's like a. It's funny. I was recently going through. All right. So actually, I was recently going through, um, you know, I've been making clips for our episode and I was recently going through Mm -hmm. our our episode uh, 52 with Lemony Snicket. And one of Mm -hmm. the moments that I found was he was talking about like the things that inspired him and and just the way that he plays with like the narrative structure and Mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. And he was saying that. I, I don't know if it was that it was a camp he was at when he was younger or something, but he was like the, there was this guy telling ghost stories, but he doesn't say 
when he goes to tell you a ghost story, he never says, I'm about to tell you a ghost story. He just says, yeah. did you guys hear about what happened in these woods? So, and I, yeah. I think that the, the whole, like, this is a true story thing. I've always had conflicting views on that. Um, but it's yeah. something that's been used in the horror genre and in, in scary storytelling forever. And I, I don't think that there's inherently something wrong with that. Um, you know, and there's always been twisting, like Texas Chainsaw says that at the beginning when that's a yeah. very, very, very loose thing that they're basing it off of the strangers does it and even looser you know so eh, eh, is yeah. what, I'll, what i'll say <laughs> i'm sure it's fine um so those are the things that you may already know but what you do already know because we told you at the beginning of this episode is that we are joined by jenna cannell again wonderful actor from terrifier bye bye man front runner WandaVision, Renfield. I don't know why I'm taking all these breaks in between of the, uh, their, in between their roles. But um, again, we have a great conversation. Before we jump to it, any final thoughts, Sean? Everything that you said. Um, I I really love when we. Well, no, truly, it's it. You you're you're putting this emphasis on um, you know, the tougher conversation that we that we have with Jenna, you know, during our interview and. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when we, when we get people and and we have, you know, a lot of fun in our conversation and and lighthearted stuff, but then we also talk about some real stuff. Um, and you're, yeah, everything that you said, she's, she's incredibly intelligent, incredibly talented. She is diverse, like her, her background in, in the art world Mm -hmm. and the film world is just so diverse. And so talking with Jenna was just uh, an absolute delight. And I think you guys are going to love the conversation. If you don't, you're a liar. You're, you're a liar. liar. If you if you tell us you didn't like this, you're a liar and a fake and a cheat. You're a fibber. And that's the worst that you could be, is a fibber. And so think Piece about what you've done. And on that note, we're going to go to our interview with Jenna Cannell. Catch you on the other side of it. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today 
using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. We are joined today by Jenna Cannell. Jenna is an actor and stunt performer known for their roles in Renfield, Terrifier, The Bye-Bye Man, The Front Runner, and WandaVision. Jenna, thank you for being on our show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited yes, to be here. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Uh, so stoked to have you. Um, one of our, I'm going to jump right into it. One of our first questions that we love to ask everybody that comes on is your intros to the genre. We're looking for those moments when you were a kid where maybe you caught a glimpse of something from behind the couch late at night that you weren't supposed to see, or you flipped to a channel and, and got an eye full of some scary stuff. So uh, yeah, sure. like if you could share, yeah, share that childhood moment with us. That'd be great. The origin story. The, yes. the lore, yeah, there you go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm pretty sure that it started when I was young. I used to have um, really, really painful menstrual cycles. Like I'm pretty sure I had endometriosis and pain to the point of like, I had to stay home from school a couple days a week because I would be hopped up on painkillers and it wouldn't really do anything or sorry, a couple days a month, okay. <laughs> like every week, okay. no. yeah. uh, a couple days every <laughs> month. Um, and both my parents uh, have always worked full time and my brother would be in school as well. And so it would just be me at home uh, and I couldn't get off the couch. I was in so much pain. And so I would just watch whatever was on. And uh, very often it was horror movies that I probably should not have been watching. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, and I, I think that that uh, was the origin for me in a lot of ways because, and, and I think that this is still true and I believe it's true for other people who I've spoken to that there's a catharsis about horror where, you know, obviously your adrenaline's going and all these chemicals are getting released, but then at the same time for, an, for two hours, I'm not worried about my own pain. I'm, worried about the pain of the person I'm, I'm, you know, with, and I'm watching, and I'm not worried about, you know, nowadays about my depression or anxiety about any given thing, because now for two hours, I just want to know, are they going to get out of the house? Are they going to get murdered by this person? And yeah, um, yeah. so I, I think that was the gateway drug. Was yes, there a hundred percent? Was there something that you saw? So like, obviously, you're you're having this, we'll call it shared pain during a specific amount of time. <laughs> Do you was there a specific movie that like flipped a switch for you at all that you got caught watching or was it really just the 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 theme and the ethos of of horror in general that that pulled you in yeah i don't think there was one specific movie i mean i i remember seeing certain movies and having them stick out in my mind but i don't think there was one that opened the door uh, i think a lot of it was just yeah, was just that that sort of the mirror neurons firing off. And yes. I even remember going to and here's I'm going to date myself Blockbuster. And I remember going yes. to to <laughs> rest in peace to Blockbuster. <laughs> and I would just even when I couldn't, you know, I was too young to rent things. I remember I would go up and down the horror aisle and just look at the covers and just read the backs and, and get, you know, that those same some of those same sort of feelings just from that. Yep. Even though we, I knew I wouldn't be allowed to rent any of them. A hundred percent. We have, um, for, for listeners, they, they are very familiar with that because it just seems like there's so many people that, that have those, you know, those formative memories of walking down the video rental aisle. It's for me, it's, it's, it's just so funny. Um, 
how impactful the horror covers at the rental places were for so many people. And it makes me, yeah. we've talked about it a ton on the show. Uh, just, I wonder what kids today, like what kind of experience they'll have with things like that. Is it, is it as impactful on a streaming service? Is it the same? And I would just imagine it's not. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's at least, it, it might be impactful, but I would imagine in a different way because you have, you know, the autoplay, the trailer will start playing or the movie will start playing. And that was not an option. <laughs> true <laughs> when right they were that's true physical dvds <laughs> yeah that's right. like reverse right. trailers like i i would get stoked for something yeah. because you see a trailer for the first time and now it's like on netflix you'll just see a a teaser for the first time after a film i'd never thought about it that way yeah. but i i can't imagine anyone be like being like oh i fell in love with horror because i used to scroll through netflix and see all the beautiful like right. cover you know poster art or whatever it may be i don't know i guess I, I guess I guess we won't know, but what we do know is that we won't be able to have the wonderful feeling of walking down a video aisle uh, unless we go to like a, a local mom and pop shop, which is which is very unfortunate. You're yeah. also not getting the art, like you know, on a on a streaming service, you're seeing yeah either like a quick photoshopped cover, which a lot of them can be very similar, or just like a still, you know, from the from the movie. And the art mm -hmm. used to be scarier and more interesting than half the movies anyway. So Yeah, yeah well, it, I mean, there is more content now vying for our attention. But at the same time, now when you're scrolling, you can really only see one thing at a time. Whereas if you're in a, a video, a physical video store, it's all of them are calling to your attention. And, and the art really has to, to pop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. The, the horror aisle is a whole atmosphere that that people yeah. are missing yeah. out on. Dang. Yeah. So Bring we we want to talk about <laughs> we want to talk about your most uh, your most recent release, the thing that we saw you in um, recently, which is Renfield. Um, yes. And you you play a character that I would say is different than most characters I've seen you play. I've seen a number of your <laughs> things, your shorts, some some features that you've been in. But you play, I don't want to say a comedic character, because I think that you're playing, you play it pretty straight. You have comedic lines and, and great timing, obviously. Your timing is impeccable. Um, Thank you. But you're playing more of a straight character. And I'm curious if that's something, I guess the comedy specifically with this being directed by by Chris McKay, like, is that something that you want to lean more into? I think your, like, your delivery made me laugh out loud multiple times and probably more than anything else in that film. And, and uh, you obviously have a knack for it. So I'm curious if that's something that you want to get into more is the, the comedic aspect of things. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I want to leave any other genre behind. Right. I really, right. I think, I mean, it's, it's, I like what you said, the way you said that, that regardless of what genre you're in, you kind of always have to play it straight because yeah. it's not comedic or, or uh, it, you know, horror movie characters don't know they're in a horror movie. Otherwise they wouldn't go into the building. Um, yes, and like yeah. similarly comedy characters don't know they're in a comedy. And so all of the stakes are very real to them. And um, so, you know, I'm not saying, yes, I'm setting my sights on, I'm only going to do comedy, but at yeah. the same time, I love doing comedy. And I, and um, I think there are rewarding things about every genre. And Renfield was a really fun shoot in particular because Chris McKay gave us so much freedom to improv and we had uh, all this time to do additional takes and different versions of the lines and Ryan Ridley who wrote the script was also very uh, generous about not being precious about what he had written and uh, and so a bunch of the lines that are in Renfield were in one form or another uh, improvised uh, and so which was oh, exciting yeah. for me to see too because I didn't know what they were going to choose 
but it was a lot of fun. Was there was yeah, there anything yeah, where you were like you you it was one of your lines or it was something that you like an idea that popped in your head so you're just like giving yourself a little like yes in the movie theater. yeah well the the line about um uh uh some uh, my life is like a, a never-ending hallway of funhouse mirrors but all the clowns are me that yes. was mine beautiful <laughs> something i came up with beautiful <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh the, the clown line the clown line was yours okay interesting that's uh what a, yeah. what a beautiful yeah. organic segue too like that's funny right <laughs> thank you. it's yeah and, and i will say like i that particular day you know we would do the scripted lines and then I would kind of, because Chris gave us so much freedom, which is really a gift, and even in the audition process was that way, I would come up with all these different lines and ideas of of things to bounce off of beforehand, and then I would come to set and kind of pitch them to him. And that was one of the ones that that he liked. But I think it's funny because it inadvertently creates this, you know, meta verse in which is Carol having a dream that she's running from art nobody knows like I like the idea of of timelines in a second (laughs) yeah that you just like opened a wormhole on reddit for some reason that uh yeah that like maybe (laughs) wasn't open before yeah exactly (laughs) I I am gonna take advantage of said segue that uh that Steve brought up and we have to jump into terrifier a bit obviously so of course let's start at the beginning um I don't know. Let's, let's go back in time. What 2015, 16, probably. How did the script for this very bloody, crazy movie end up in your lap? And what were your initial thoughts? So Damien and I can't remember. Neither of us can remember how we met. <laughs> Damien, the director of Terrifiers, as you yeah. guys know. But yeah. I do know that I auditioned for a different film of his, a completely okay. different movie. And that one ended up not getting made but he really liked my tape and he reached back out and said, Hey, that movie's not happening, but this other one is, would you be interested in being a part of this? And he sent me the script to terrifier and I was, I read it and was like, you are severely disturbed and I'm afraid of your subconscious and yeah, let's do this. Sure. <laughs> That's so good. It's uh, obviously there's, there's so many aspects of terrifier um, to talk about all the violence and stuff. We want to get to that. But I'm just curious, what was like a, a general overview of what that set was like? You know, it it doesn't it feels like an indie movie, but it doesn't feel um, like a lot of other indie movies to me, which I, I guess is a, a weird thing to say. It's very vague. Um, no, it, I, I actually know just... exactly what you mean. OK, thank you, because I was like, it's... that sounded dumb. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's it's it, it's an indie movie and it we shot it very cheaply and it and it feels that mm. way, but it feels intentional which i think was very smart on damien's part mm, to not go. try to hide that that it's an indie movie and and use the yeah. fact that that it's kind of grungy and uh and and minimalist to pay homage to films of the 80s rather than mm. i think what what because i've done a ton of indie movies and i love independent films and i love i feel very lucky to go back and forth between things that have a budget things that don't mm-hmm. but I do think it is a, a fatal flaw when indie movies try to seem more, uh, seem bigger in scope than they are rather than yeah. embracing yes. what they have and just running with it. Because like you said, you know, like an audience is not going to not be interested just because something was done cheaply and quickly. It's, it's a matter of, is the script good? Is it engaging? And it's, you know, if you write a bunch of uh, something with a ton of CGI and then don't have any money, like, of course it's not, gonna work you kind of have to know your limitations and work within them uh, in I was a clever just gonna, way 
I was just going to say, yeah, like a sky replacement on a low budget film is going to like immediately call out the fact that it's a low, like it'll make you think like yeah. you know a certain way about it as opposed to leaning into it more, um, which mm-hmm. which makes complete sense. Um, I also, you know, one thing about Terrifier, which is obviously, you know, this is very obvious and, and apparent to everyone that knows about Terrifier, but it has this massive cult following, which is only yes. compounded times a million since Terrifier 2's release. Um, yeah, I guess what does it feel like to be a part of a film that has that fan relationship? Like you have fan, I see you posting fan art frequently. Like you have, yeah. you know, like all these people that love this character that was not treated <laughs> extremely well in the film for different reasons. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm just curious, like, what's your, what has it been like, you know, this kind of roller coaster the past seven years of since, since release of this original film? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm unbelievably grateful that so many people love it because with indie movies, part of the thing is that you have no idea if if anyone's going to see it. And I've done a lot of them that no one has seen. (laughs) And so it's, it's really, really cool and unexpected. I think that it caught so many people by the throat and that so many people are um, have such strong feelings about the film and about Tara in particular. It means a lot mm-hmm. to me and, and the ongoing support even now, so long after it came out, it was an interesting journey to answer your question because the first we filmed it. And I want to say, I think, like you said, 2015 and it didn't hit Netflix. I don't think until 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. And so there were the first couple of years it, it, when it was out, not a lot of people had seen it. And it was, there was kind of like a trickling of interest. And then the moment it hit Netflix, just overnight, all of a sudden it was, which is the nice thing about streaming. I mean, you know, yeah. as much as we all miss physical stores, uh, physical movie stores, it, it does make movies much more accessible to a much wider yeah. audience, which is, which is a plus side for sure. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it was this crazy wild thing and and uh had grew a life of its own with <laughs> absolutely with the fans specifically um are you are you a frequent convention guest like is that something that you do every now and then i have recently started to do them more often i can't do them too often because yeah. um they are very intense and i okay. I mean, so I can't do them too often, really, because of work. Because, like, yeah, I just had to course. cancel on one that I feel awful about, but I, I booked a job, and that's kind of part of the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be making a movie instead. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I've recently started to do uh, to do more of them, um, and and intense in a good way. I just mean like yeah. I'm an introvert, and so like after a convention, I need to like lie face down on a floor for. That's that's kind of what I was going to ask. <laughs> sure. I was like, oh, it yeah. seems like fans that are fa- like, you know, people that are fans of this film that would attend conventions are going to be, you know, uh, very, very open about how much they love your film and your character specifically. So that's why I wanted to see, you know, which what is beautiful. Is like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do love that. And it is really nice to be able to interact with people at conventions and to hear feedback that, you know, you don't get to see when the movie's just out there uh, and to nerd out with people about movies. Cause I love horror and I love movies in general too. And so that's certainly a lot of fun and I've made friends at them and it's nice to see the, you know, the terrifier fam again, like I'm still close to Damien and I'm still close to Catherine Corcoran who plays Don. Um, and so it's always nice to hang out with them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
it's just, uh, I, I like after three days, I, I don't have a voice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of socializing and the meter yeah. only exists so much and the vocal cords yeah, can only handle like, so much. Life bar at the top is like, boop, 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 boop. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I need, I've seen these pins recently, complete subject, uh, veering off, but I've seen these pins where you can like move your, your social meter down and I really want to. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, it's, it's like, like different red, smiley faces. A red, you green, could... yellow bar or oh, like yes. pie graph. Yeah, I need them. Yeah. Um, but so love that. A hundred percent. I'm I'm truly gonna order some very soon. I think I need them. Um, but okay, so there's there's a lot of reasons for people to be drawn to this movie. Um, it's a slasher to its core, uh, where I think that we kind of were getting a lot of twist on the the slasher um, genre for a yeah. while. But two of the biggest drawing points, I think, are our art's character design, you know, his his costuming, and then the shock value of those kills, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could give us any any insight behind the scenes stories or anything about the practical effects and and how all that went about. You have a great bust of your head, I think, that's made for uh, for your death scene, and if I'm correct, Damien really like made a lot of those effects himself he did all of it himself yeah that's just wild he's you know on the crew he's surrounded himself with people that could help him achieve what he wants but ultimately all the genius is him um and he does all of the special effects himself and it's you know and on an indie movie especially i just remember i have no idea what filming the second one was like because i obviously wasn't in the Mm -hmm. second one or a part of that that experience but on the first one, I mean, I would remember he'd go and talk about what we were going to do. And then while I'm getting into makeup uh, and, you know, the crew is setting up the lighting and everything, he's putting Art's face on. So it's and and going back and forth. It's wild. I don't he's there's no way he's going to live very long because he's taken years <laughs> off of his life by making this movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and it's wild. And I, I are, the first time we actually ever met in person was I met him to get that head cast made for Tara's death, which is a huge trust exercise because a, a head cast is essentially paper mache your entire head and you can't breathe and you can't move your mouth. So you're breathing out of your mouth, but it's slowly filling up with spit. So you're basically waterboarding yourself. It's disgusting. It's awful. You can't see anything. It's, it's terrifying. And uh, luckily it was a trust exercise that went well and I was not murdered because I hadn't right. met him before. It was a kind of very intense way to, I would never do that now, but I was, you know, <laughs> young and I didn't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but then, so that, that was uh, my head for when I was actually dead, but mm-hmm. the, the gunshots themselves, and I'm still kind of like moving and my eyes are like twitching and shit that he actually, he built these prosthetics that went over my face and then roped tubes uh, underneath the prosthetics through them. And then like, it's a close up, and then like two feet away, he's blowing into them so that blood is coming out of them in real time. It was the jankiest <laughs> Love it. operation. Oh, but it's so, but it, looked, but it, it gives like, yes, I will choose it's that a million times over, you know, a lot of poor CGI. I'm a, I'm definitely a practical oh, yeah. person and yeah. yeah so yeah, sick. I mean, one of my favorite horror movies is John Carpenter's The Thing and it will always yes. hold up. It's never, it, it never feels dated because it's all practical. And there's something about, like, I think art is, you know, David Howard Thornton, who plays art, he's not 
in any way a scary person when he's speaking. He's mm-hmm. very like goofy and silly and ridiculous. And I am more dangerous than he is. I like, I think I said on the DVD that if cause someone asked who would win in a fight, I would definitely win in a fight. That's why he has to cheat. That's why he takes the gun out. Yeah. He, Cause I was going to win. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, there is something about when he stops talking, he's a very, he's a physically trained actor. He's, and, you know, I know that I had, uh, I was just about to work with Doug Jones actually on the Bye Bye Man right after Terrifier mm-hmm. and who I know is one of his heroes and, you know, actors like that, it's a whole other, it's a, an entirely other craft and it's a different sort of um, art, so to speak. Yeah. And there's something about someone in prosthetics or prosthetic creature work in general that is, there's a little bit of an uncanny valley for us, right? Where like, we know that there's a human being in there or there's something about it that looks biological, but it's our brain, like, it makes us uncomfortable when they're just slightly inhuman. Um, and I actually, I just played a creature for the first time on an Amazon movie in uh, January that comes out at the end of this year. I don't think I'm going to be in very much of it, but my creature design is super fucking cool. So I'm excited oh, to at least like we, post the photos. We plan to bring that up. So I'm glad. Well, let's, I guess, I guess yeah. there's probably not much I'm more you can say, but segues. we're, no, yeah, we're fucking, we're really excited for that, for that. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> we can come back to it. We can yeah, come back absolutely. to it for sure. I don't, I want to answer all the terrifying questions. <laughs> we looped you in, <laughs> we looped you in with like our, our questions before we yeah people don't know that but you knew yeah, the yeah. whole all the it questions feels like, oh yeah it feels like we rehearsed this for hours <laughs> yes um i i want to talk a little bit about you know working with david uh he the presence that he brings is so it it's terrifying you know he he really does nail it so i'm curious did he is his approach very like back and forth like that where the scene stops and he's just a normal guy or does he go full shia labeouf and you know <laughs> For scars card for lack and, of a and better reference he's just there. yeah right, right i couldn't yeah. think of anybody else but like i just know he's a, a nut and jeremy on strong jeremy yeah strong there you go. yes reference. jeremy strong yeah yeah um yeah. but yeah so <laughs> what, about what's what what's he uh what's he yeah. like on set he's i mean i i think he's perhaps changed this since then i know that now like at conventions uh that he if when he's in costume and he's in character he doesn't speak but the, that line was a little blurrier, I think, when we shot, if I remember correctly. Like, I, it wasn't, you know, immediately. Like, he did, I think, try to maintain in between takes not talking and relying on his body, which I, which was helpful, I'm sure, for him as an actor, and then also helpful for me as an actor to be able to actually be, because, like I said, when he's talking, he's not scary to me, because right. because he's so silly and his voice is so like, uh, like uh, goofy and charming. And so it was, it was helpful, I think, to both of us to, to not break in between. But, you know, when we were done filming or like during lunch and stuff, I don't remember him being full method, which is, which I think is good because I don't, I, I'm of the camp that I just don't think being full method is ever necessary. Um, Unless it's, if it's an accent or something like that, I get it. But if it's, if it in any way makes it harder for everybody else to do their jobs, I don't think it's, I think it's a selfish choice. Right. I also, especially if you found a good balance. Especially if you're treating cast and and crew and and you know your your coworkers and the people around you like right. shit, like that's just not acceptable. Yeah. So we've all yeah. heard those stories, and there's no performance that's worth that. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like then you're just not. It, it, <laughs> this is a hot take, but to me, if you're doing that, then you're not a good actor. If you have to be an asshole in order to act like one, yeah, yeah, just act. That's fair. That, yeah, I totally, I totally that's am good. with you. And also, like with an indie film, everyone needs to 
pitch in to a certain extent to achieve what you guys are trying to achieve like i'm sure yeah. i mean in an, in an independent film like everyone's just working harder than they normally would to to get to the level yeah. that they want to be and like if yeah. you're mute awful <laughs> yeah like, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah you have to communicate and like there i think there is a leeway uh that that you know makes sense of like i'm, I'm maybe you've read the trivia niblet of like that i remained tied up in between takes when we were when we were doing the scene where don's dying um and like that that was more for me you know uh, because i knew that there weren't going to be i knew because it's an indie movie that where the turnarounds are fast that there's not going to be a ton of time in between and so for me i just wanted to feel to be able to inform more of the experience of being restrained and not being able to escape to to inform the performance and like similarly you know if someone has to do something really intense i think it's it because uh, i know i'm this way and um i know some of the other actors involved in this movie and other ones are this way where like if you have to be really emotionally um distraught or vulnerable like uh i, I personally do have to kind of keep that on a simmer in between takes i don't mm-hmm. act like an asshole i'm just like maybe not as talkative or not a- or like you know i'll go step off and like have, do my own thing like i think there are definitely sure. ways to um you know to 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 be your best artist without while yes. still, you know, remembering of that course. it's a team sport. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You you hear that, Daniel Day Lewis? I'm not calling you Mr. President. Okay. That's the. <laughs> and not going to push you around that. in a wheelchair. I'm sorry. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um. So one thing about Terrifier, and I'll I'll kind of I I want to be open about this. Terrifier is not my favorite kind of horror film. I can appreciate it for what it is. Absolutely love your performance. Love art. Um. Sean Thank Sean you. is definitely more on the uh, other side of things. <laughs> And so one one thing I want to talk about is an aspect that people will point to, which is the the boundaries of extreme violence in this film. Um, yeah. And I know that Damien, you know, yeah, right, exactly. So I mean, I know that you know people have people have talked about violence towards women and some things yeah. that they would see as being transphobic. And Damien's Damien's had some great comments about them, about how he was raised by women. And I don't want to speak for him, but but Damien's definitely addressed those things. And you're a person that, I mean, you you have an article with, I think it was Voyage Atlanta, where you're talking about these hurdles mm-hmm. that you have to overcome in, in the film industry in general, or just as a professional, yeah. like misogyny, queerphobia, um, you know, rape culture, like just so many different things. And so it's not like you're not aware of these different aspects of of filmmaking so i'm curious what your take is on the extreme violence and and specifically in terrifier one the treatment of women which is very like different than the treatment of men yeah absolutely uh i'm I'm glad you bring that up because not a lot of people do and it's it is interesting that people i i get why people ask damien about this but i Mm. i think maybe they should ask the you know female presenting people that are in the movie about how we feel and and like puya who plays the cat lady is a trans woman so you know i'm sure that she has thoughts um so i i appreciate that you're asking me um yeah i mean I've told this to Damien's face, so I'm not saying anything behind his back at all. He, of course, has internalized misogyny because he's grown up as a as a man. Um, and, you know, I do, too. Everyone, if you've grown up in America and, and a lot of other countries, but this one in particular, we all have a level of 
uh, implicit bias of internalized racism, internalized homophobia, internalized misogyny, and anyone who pretends that they don't is full of shit. We're, we're all, we all do. And it's just a matter of how much work you do to like move past it and answering questions like this is a, is a great way to do that. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of how much work you do and how much you, um, acknowledge it. So mm-hmm. yeah, Damien was, uh, raised by, a woman and, uh, you know, is very obviously, uh, accepting of queer people, myself included. Um, he's never experienced life as a queer person or as a woman. So obviously there is a removal that he really can never speak to. Um, but I think it's good to challenge filmmakers on these things. Um, like I remember someone challenged Tarantino about this in an interview and he like scoffed at it. And I, that, really irked me and and it changed how I saw him because uh, it's a very reasonable thing to ask. Um, Because you're right there. I can see where people come from when they, when they have those attitudes about it. Um, I think it's interesting because I'm reading a book right now called it's right there called men, women and chainsaws. And it's, I highly recommend it. It's about gender in horror. And I just finished the chapters. This is so funny that this is coming up about um about how slashers are typically like kind of the tropes that are in slashers historically which terrifier is not responsible for uh these are things that have been in the slasher genre since the beginning of you know horrible violence depicted against women and uh and the female characters and the male characters being treated very differently uh and i'm not defending terrifier necessarily um, I, I, again, I can like, if anyone takes offense to it, I'm not here to tell them that their feelings are not valid. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, statistically most violence is perpetrated against women in real life. And so you could argue like, this is an expression of it's, you know, art imitating life. <laughs> the, the, the name <laughs> art really is throwing me through a loop with these conversations. <laughs> but you understand what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. That, like, Absolutely. That's a reflection, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a reflection of what real life is like. And just because, and, and I would argue that art as a villain uh, could be perceived as uh, a misogynist in a way, especially because when he kills Katie, it's it's like the most debased, you know, going yeah. right after her like womanhood, so to speak. And yeah. and with me, it's this thing of like he decides to go after me because I rejected him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and so like I think um it's not a a matter of you know, and obviously like I think all the female characters are written very strong and portrayed very strong by yeah. the people who play them and, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, I think it's also a part of um, film that I think we don't talk about enough is how we receive it. So like if someone receives it and says, you know, I'm rooting for this guy, these women deserve it. Like that's something that that person should probably uh, examine. And it's not on the movie to say what's right or wrong. Movies are just here to, if they tell you what to think, it's not interesting, right? They're presenting something and then, it's a matter of how we take them. If you watch it and you're entertained, but you're, you know, rooting for, you know, me, for example, <laughs> then, you know, that's, that's totally different. Uh, and, and, and when like people who feel righteous anger over him cheating and things like that, like, I don't think that those people 
you know, I'm, I'm getting a little rambly here, but I think you see no, the direction totally... I'm going in where like, no. it's a, 100%. it's not, it's not a black and white answer. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's a, it's super, it's a super complex discussion that, that yeah. needs to, to be had and, and just keep being, yeah. you know, explored in the genre. And it's, you know, we're two cis straight white dudes and, and we're, you know, like I, I know how I'll, I'll, the takes that I will leave after seeing a movie and the things that I'll enjoy about it, but I'm, you know, the past few years and especially since doing this show, I've really been trying to like explore the other perspectives of it and like how somebody else is is taking in this content you know um yeah and i think that's it, a huge yeah that's really important it's super important um i'm curious you know while filming it did you ever have you know scenes like that that split scene does that make you uncomfortable on set or like did you have like 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 second guessing being a part of the movie or at any point so What's mm-hmm. fun fact, we actually filmed her death and me reacting to her death on completely different days, really? which is like wild. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a two shot. Sense. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, isn't that yeah. 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 Okay. Because she was working on, um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but she was working on a film and then I was about to start on Bye Bye Man. And so it was like schedule wise, we couldn't <laughs> do it at the same time. So, uh, so it didn't. Well, I didn't have to watch it in real life. Luckily for me, I just had to like pretend to watch it, which was disturbing, but not as disturbing as actually watching it. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's certainly. I don't. I don't want to speak for for Katie, um, uh-huh. but you know, I from what she's told me, and I think she's talked about this before, and maybe one day she'll be on on here too, and and can talk about it. Um, from what I told me, there were things, conversations um, that were done well and safety measures that were done well, and then conversations that should have been had that weren't, and, and some some severe safety issues, particularly with just the hanging upside down. Um, but which, again, like some of it is just that we it's not that I would ever try to exclude like cishet white guys from making movies like. Yeah. Y'all have made some great movies. I'm not going to do that, but it's a it's a matter of like, do you include people on your conversations? Um, are there people on your production team that are not like you that have a different life experience? Because like I've done a lot of assistant directing work in the past and directing work as well, and there have been times where I've like taken safety measures or even just comfort measures in terms of like intimacy coordination and things like that that um, wouldn't have been done if I wasn't there. So. Um, could that scene in particular from what I've heard her say um, have been uh, executed in a safer, more comfortable way for her? It sounds like absolutely. Um, but that's not me taking shots at the yeah. guys who made it. That's, you know, it was their first movie or a second of movie. Uh, Cause after all, how was you? It was their second movie and, and they didn't know. And I think it's just on, on all of us, like we were saying to just grow and get better and, and ask questions and, and not assume that we, that we know everything or that we don't have any growing to do. Cause all of us always have lots of growing to do. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, on the bright side, I will say, you know, like the, um, the female characters are all at least like, n- none of us are idiots, you know, yes. like yes. that, that is something to be said that even though the violence itself, I could totally see people construing a certain way. The characters right. it's are strong mood. I- I'm a big I think that context is absolutely everything. And, and yes. you know, yeah. I don't think that anything, I don't really believe in a, a, 
a lot of objective right and wrongs. I think it's it's all context. Yeah. And yeah, if this movie had been, you know, if if your characters had just been completely unlikable or like ditzy, stupid, you know, it, and and art yeah. was somehow uh, more fun, you know, it it could have felt like a completely different movie. Um, so yeah, if like that if makes we sense. were because it does because there are a lot of movies where it's you know like and s- movies like Scream and Cap- uh, Kevin in the Woods make fun of this of like a character mm-hmm. is open about their sexuality and then is punished for it sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. There, there certainly isn't that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how it will age and how people will write about it a little mm-hmm. down the line, because I could very much see the conversation going a, a couple, a couple of different ways. Yeah. But I it's... will say in terms of, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're, you're good. Take what you're going to say. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say in terms of um, my own safety, uh, there was, there was one member of the crew. I don't remember his name. I think he was the gaffer who, uh, his behavior was very inappropriate on set, which again is not the fault of the movie or anyone involved. It's just indie, And so you hire who, you know, yeah, um, sure. and that is actually something that I, I told them about. And I believe he was not involved with the second one, which is okay. good. But in terms of safety, I will say that, um, you know, like for the gun scene in particular, like when I get shot in the face, uh, to his credit, Damien lay on the ground and went through the exact move of the gun being fired at his head before he had me do it. And that was something that always stuck with me because that's, you know, that it showed that safety was important and that he wasn't taking, take, wasn't taking the violence lightly. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I, I just want to say, I, we really appreciate you. Like, being so eloquent yeah. about all of these things like we know oh, that they you. you know um over, you know conversations that need to be had but are tough to have kind of in just a normal sphere um especially when you're like do you want to come on a horror podcast and talk about horror and then we right into things like that <laughs> how um, do we fix but, sexism yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i need, I need, <laughs> need your, your black and white answer um Don't we all? but yeah but yeah I, I just wanted to say you know obviously really appreciate that and and the other thing kind of going into a question i had further down my list but you talked about ADing on sets and obviously directing um yeah you you specifically have like such a great perspective with all the things like you're you're directing you're writing you do stunt work you're you know trained in martial arts you if i'm not mistaken have a forensic science background you have you know obviously like very um very eloquent uh thoughts on a lot of social issues like how do you think that's impacted absolutely how do you think that's impacted your life in in the professional like filmmaking industry like it it seems to me like that would open a lot of doors because you have very broad horizons but it also seems like it could make people react a certain way and so i'm really curious how how that's been yeah both you're absolutely right okay (laughs) what if i just didn't answer more than that yeah no uh The, yeah, we've had things like that true. before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. Sorry. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I, I, it's always been important to me to have a, a wide perspective in terms of mm-hmm. the work and understanding how movies are made uh, and and why things are done a certain way and. Um, and I think everything that I do makes me better at the other things. I mean, every time I act, I become a better director because I'm listening to how I'm being directed and what's working, what's not, you know, working on sets like 
like Renfield or like the front runner that have very large budgets, it's so specialized. And so I just consider myself a student when I'm on sets like that. And I just watch and I'm like, okay, now that I've done enough production, I can say, okay, I, I know what that's the, you know, that's the armorer. That's the the first AC. And like, I'm watching what they're doing and it, and it makes me a better actor as well because I, uh, understand proximity of like how far is the lens for me so I, like how much should I dial in my performance things like that and then I think they make me a better director too because how you lead a team is very important and how you mm-hmm. communicate with different departments and understand what everybody does I think is very important and the the people that I enjoy working with the most on set are the ones who have worked outside of their lane because okay. people who have only ever done one thing are often very uh, tough to work with because they don't understand, you know, h- how all the other chess pieces move and how it, it's a ripple effect, you know, yeah, they don't have that happens in any department. Yeah. 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 So I, I, that's really important to me for that reason. And then also um, because I feel very fortunate to not have a day job. I kind of just, uh, I'm always trying to, put my creative energy somewhere and, and keep things moving. And, and if this isn't happening, then I'll try to plant seeds over here. And, and, uh, and some of that came about from wanting more control of working as an actor or a stunt performer on sets where I didn't necessarily agree with the way things were run or the way people were being spoken to and, and wanting to, you know, be be able to to call the shots and and make people feel safe and things like that. So, um, and yeah, and I mean, in t- and in terms of um, the very kind thing you said about my um, communication skills, it's, it's something I've worked very very hard on because, and this is you know, for all the stuff that anyone deals with. I mean, everything is intersectional, right? Like there are uh, it's people who are disabled or uh, global majority people who are not white, like, uh, class as a whole thing. Like everyone's dealing with something. Everyone is, is coming up against some sort of, um, you know, barrier. And it's important for us to all understand what other people are, are potentially going through. But as a result, I, I do know that, um, like part of my, uh, always striving to communicate clearly and have all the information is comes from um, a long time of not necessarily always being listened to. And uh, yeah, so, and and there are still some people that don't vibe, you know, I've worked on some sets where uh, not anytime recently, but in the past I've been on sets where there were guys who didn't like having a female presenting person as a boss, you know, and weren't comfortable taking direction from me. And, I don't work with those people anymore, yeah. but for the most part, That's... it's uh, it it gains more respect. What year is it? Grow up. Doesn't that doesn't make any questions. sense? Um, it's ridiculous. The, uh, with I, I I guess it's a bit more lighthearted. Um, out of all of the things that you do, do you have like a favorite? Is there like what what brings you the most joy? Or I obviously I feel like you're I'm getting the the uh, impression that you're the kind of person that kind of needs to do everything like you were saying not just to to like educate yourself or to um you know fill in time but but just you would get bored if you only did one thing but is there is there one thing that you're specifically being drawn towards focusing on writing directing acting sure yeah i mean yeah some of it's 
the educational drive. Some of it is the, uh, the like that I, I will absolutely succumb to my mental illness if it's not, if I'm not putting it somewhere. Um, I, I love it all. And I really like going back and forth between things. I, I would love to be one of those people who doesn't have to choose. Yeah. For me, it depends on the project. Like there are certain projects where I'm like, I just want to act in this and I don't necessarily want to be in charge. I just want to like focus on this aspect of the storytelling. And then there are some stories where I'm like, no, I I want to be the one at the helm. So it depends on the on the con- on the context is everything always yeah, all the time is the absolutely. Always, this episode's called context is everything i uh <laughs> i want to focus on a specific part of the many the many hats uh being a stunt performer which i feel like is very like if you look on your imdb you have mo- more stunt performing credits than you do acting credits um not that you aren't do I really? wonderful i believe i it's like 19 to 16 so it's not like a crazy different oh, amount okay. but it's just you know you obviously you know you do a lot of your own stunts and a lot of different things um mm-hmm. I, I mean if i'm not mistaken like your your current haircut came from something that you had to do like that's stunt, correct being a stunt performer under ruby <laughs> rose can you oh yeah listen <laughs> we're, we're locked in over here um can you kind it. of walk us through like what it is about stunt performing that's so uh that, that draws you in so much yeah, well, I have a history of having done martial arts and self-defense techniques since I was a kid, and I just didn't know for the longest time that those were stunts, because I always thought stunts were only, mm. like, the crazy, crazy stuff. I, yeah. I always thought stunts were, like, jumping out of a building on fire, and I didn't realize, you know, holding a weapon is a stunt and running is a stunt. Uh, yeah. And so... Yeah, so I, I basically, I kind of, um, when someone pointed out to me that the martial arts training, uh, the Krav Maga that I was doing, uh, that those are all yeah, translatable to stunt work, I mm-hmm. sort of rebranded myself uh, as someone who who did my own stunts. And you're correct, I originally shaved my head to double for Ruby Rose, which is the only time I've ever doubled anybody. All the other times I've done it, it's just to do my own. Yeah, okay. and the thing I, I love about them, to answer your question, is that uh, and this is true about film in general, but it's particularly true when when there's action involved and and you could potentially get hurt. Is that I find it's very, it helps me ground in the present moment. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to watching a horror movie or you know going on a roller coaster, skydiving, things like that. There's there's something about if I if I don't pay very close attention, if I'm not here, if I'm worrying about yesterday or tomorrow. I'm going to get hit in the face or I'm going to, you know, fall off this motorcycle or I'm going to drown like any number of horrible things could happen. So it, it forces me to be present and, and really connected with whoever my scene partner is and with my own body and with the environment and the circumstances. And that's my favorite thing about it. Interesting. I, wow. so yeah. the specific, the, the entry point that you talk about Krav Maga, is that right? Krav Maga? I feel like there's an R in there yeah. somewhere that I'm missing, like except for the first one. No, you um, got it. Okay, beautiful. I <laughs> people always I, the second one, but there isn't one. Yeah, I always thought it was McGraw, like Tim McGraw, but anyways. Um, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, is Everyone that, thinks that though. I don't know why. <laughs> so that's like a very out of like the, at least from my perspective, that's a very unique sub martial art of like the larger ones. Like I first heard about yeah. it i think on bob's burgers they do krav maga Amazing. where does that where does that start where did that start for you was it just like something that your family someone in your family did or 
Yeah. Uh, well, so as a kid, I actually, I did Hoshindo, which is Korean. Uh, okay. And then I did a little bit of Taekwondo, a little bit of Tai Chi, but I landed on Krav Maga. Uh, it, well, it, it originates out of the Middle East and which is my heritage, but I, no one in my family does it. Uh, okay. No one in my family is in the industry at all. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, I was drawn to it because it relies on leverage rather than strength. And so if you do the moves correctly, it doesn't matter if I'm fighting someone who's, you know, if I'm fighting Hulk Hogan, if I do the move correctly, I can still get out safely or, you know, get the upper hand. And so that's why I was drawn to it because I think uh, what I found at conventions, um, some people have been small, uh, surprised by how small I am. Apparently okay. I look, the camera adds two feet, I guess. So I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm like a cool five foot four buck 15 pounds, uh, which I, I don't know why no one's ever expecting that when they meet me. But as a result, I can't rely on, I'm not gonna, you know, if I were to, you, you mentioned rape culture earlier, like I've had some, some hairy situations, unfortunately, and it makes me feel safer to, to know that, yes, I'm getting fitness and staying in shape out of this. But at the same time, I also like, you know, it, it helps me feel more prepared. Yeah, 100%. I need to sign up for Krav Maga. Magra. I almost did it. <laughs> you did it. Magra. Krav Maga. Yeah, I'm yeah, uh, I'm 5'2". I'm I'm uh, I'm real short, so I need to do it. Yeah, I need that leverage. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> absolutely. I highly recommend it. It's a really good workout. It's like it's very intense, but it's a lot of fun. And it's it I also like it because it's one of the ones that translates better to film. Because it's okay. more, it's it's not as, um, unless you're doing like a John Wick or something, which is very stylized, yeah. a lot of fight scenes sure. in film, which is a lot of the stunts that I've done, like I've done some harness wire stuff. Um, and like for the Ruby Rose movie, I was flopping around in the Gulf of Mexico, but uh, usually I'm uh, doing fight scenes. And um, Krav Maga is very scrappy. It's very like street fighting. And so it, yeah, you still have to make some, accommodations for being on camera like not covering your face but yeah. it ultimately it translates a little better because it's like messier it's not as pretty that Absolutely. would sean that does that would work for you because we're in new york so i feel like you're fighting you gotta <laughs> that's be what ready, i'm saying you know, like that's, that's, oh, that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah i gotta yep um i uh i want to talk a bit about the short films that you are in a part of have made um, you obviously you have Max and the Monster, which you wrote and directed. Yes. You have Bumblebee, which you made with your brother, um, and you star in Ben Joiner's. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Abducted. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, uh, I'm definitely veering off here. I, I cannot help myself. I had to write it in. Uh, I don't want to give away too much with Abducted. Uh, but oh, I, did you I watch it on uh, on Dust? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I have to ask. And we if, we if we expand into it too much, it'll be a whole other episode. But I, I want to okay. know your general thoughts on aliens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, <laughs> good question. I wish this. this Y'all with the questions are crushing it. I love it. These are like not the same things I, I get answered all the time. I'm here for it. Beautiful. I think we would be very narcissistic to think that we're alone. Do I you think, think it's very silly? Do you think that they've ever been here? I'm full tinfoil hat to, just to. I love it. Give you, no, I live, give you the. 
<laughs> I live for it. No, listen, space is too fucking big for us to. We're yeah. not that special. We're literally just naked apes. Like we think we're we're real special because we're destroying the ecosystem faster than anybody else. Yeah. I don't know why we think we get a prize for that. But no, there there it's too big. There we've received too many signals from space that we've never been able to identify the origin of. These yeah. are just facts. You know, I mean, I I think I don't I don't know whether or not they've been here, but what I think mm. it, I think it's very likely that they know about us and are smart enough yeah. to let us burn ourselves out. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's guys. They're just they're pay, they're just like biding their time, just chilling while we guys. So, I mean, Jenna I'm sure we're like <laughs> <laughs> Jenna gets it. Jenna understands the. We're going to start a new podcast. It's going to be called Full Tinfoil Hat. She's going to come on. Um, I'm so ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we think that they, that they're like all of our media depicting aliens other than arrival, which is high art, but like so many alien movies, um, an alien is great, obviously, but so (laughs) many alien movies, um, like make it out to be that they're going to show up and just fuck us up because we think that they would be like us, but there's no reason if they're, if they have already, if they already know about us, that means they're insanely advanced, way mm-hmm. more advanced yeah. than we will be for a very long time, and they didn't get that way by being like us. A hundred percent. We're not going to last that long together. at this rate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah imagine. work together, think rationally. <laughs> if if they're anything things, like us, um... <laughs> they won't be here. They won't get here. If yeah. Wow, like that's us. a good. Jenna gets it. All right. <laughs> one, I got what I needed. Best so, interview question ever. These are great. <laughs> one uh to to kind of wrap everything up, obviously you have you put a lot of thought into all the different things that you're in or, or all the different roles that you have. Um, but with things like I mean, even Carol, uh the the um role even of Carol. Carol. Even Carol. Well, like with the role of Carol, I mean, in an interview, you were talking about how you pulled from personal experiences to inform that character, which like, I think from a person that's viewing your role in that film, they may not think about that, like that you're going to be pulling from, you know, specific. uh, What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, Like people that have, you know, used you in your past or or things of that Mm. nature. I mean, and you also have, you know, a lot of the things that you you do, you have personal experiences max and the monster is a good one that we mentioned but yeah. we don't have to dive really far into it but it's it's you per- pulling from personal experience to write and yeah. direct a film and then sean mentioned bumblebee which is something that i i recommend everyone listening to this watches your ted talk um you know that, that you. you talk about making a film with your brother uh back around the time yeah. of around the time of terrifier i believe um yeah but it was that I guess, same year <laughs> which is it what a what a wow. dichotomy of of films um yeah what <laughs> This this feels like such a simple question, but why is it so important to you that everything that you touch is really personal with with what you're putting out on uh, in film in general? That's a beautiful question. It's it maybe just feels simple because you had to follow up the alien question, and that's a tough segue. To, <laughs> I didn't give you a segue that time. We didn't prepare that segue. Yeah, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I think I think art is at its best when it's personal. You know, I think you can you can feel when you're watching something if someone has has been there or at least even even if they haven't has take taken the time to understand that experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it really makes a difference. And I think. um, Yeah, I think the best art is 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 personal. And, 
so like, you know, you touch on Max the Monster was about, uh, it's a dark comedy about uh, dealing with PTSD and like creating a relationship with your PTSD, specifically in the wake of assault. And like with that, I uh, wanted to make that because I hadn't seen anything like that. It just didn't exist. Like uh, every film I'd seen about dealing with assault was just about the assault. It was never like, okay, that happened. Now we have the rest of your life. Yeah. (laughs) What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. And like, similarly with bumblebees with my brother, you know, I, I remember watching a lot of films that feature people very much on the spectrum and they were always, and now this is changing since, since it's been made, not saying we started it, but um, the, they're often, you know, these melodramas that acted like autism was, you know, like a, a death sentence as opposed to just neurodivergence. And and so similarly, I, I wanted to show the brother that I know and like, yeah, he's autistic. Okay. But then he's still, you know, a human being who wants love just like everybody else. And, uh, and with Carol, I mean, you know, I didn't write that. That was uh, right. something I was brought in on, which by the way, she was originally written for a man. Her name was Roger in the script. Okay. Love that little tidbit. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, but uh, like with that, I, I think it's also more fun and makes me a more compassionate person to learn about different experiences that I haven't necessarily had. Cause uh, I, did have a relationship years ago with a narcissist who was manipulative and emotionally abusive. And uh, as a result, you know, I could use that, but I'm not a person who is prone to codependency. I'm like chronically independent. Um, And so in, in that regard, like I, I went to a couple um, like codependence anonymous meetings online. Um, I, there's a person who I'm very close to in my life. I won't put on blast right now, but they, uh, they deal with codependency. And so it's almost like an excuse to learn what their experience is like and, and mm-hmm. what the experience is like for people who who uh, do find themselves prone to that. And I think, you know, it's, it's a reason to, it helps me be more compassionate and open-minded and understanding. Yeah, I yeah. agree. The best Great art answer. is personal art. <laughs> And very happy that yeah. everything that you do is is very personal um, because it's it's great. Uh, as we are wrapping up here, of course, as we're wrapping up here, um, we end all of our episodes with a segment that we normally tell people about beforehand. But unfortunately, we're going to put you on the spot here. Uh, it's Surprise! Called mostly, it's called Mostly Horror. Yeah, it's the only thing we didn't rehearse for three hours. Um, it's called <laughs> Mostly Horror Recommendations. And essentially all that means okay. is we ask all of our guests that we talk to to provide a horror film and then a non-horror film or a book or TV show um, that they would recommend to the listeners. Uh, Sometimes it's hard because people just watch horror and they don't know any non-horror, but uh, you seem well-versed in in film in general. So I'd love to see what you would recommend to our, to our listeners. I would happily do that. I want to, can I, is it cheating if I pull up a list? No, no. If you go for it, if you have a list, then that's beautiful. I have a list. Yeah. (laughs) Is it your letterbox? Cause I'd love to follow you. It is not my letterbox. You can follow me on letterbox. I'm not very active on there because uh, okay. I'm, I guess, old and don't understand really what it is. Okay. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. It's a struggle. Um, okay. Let me see. Just because I, I like you, you know, you watch so much. So I have to yeah, pick one, of one of each. You can, you can list off a million if you want. I was just trying to make it. Okay. easier. Yeah. What, whatever feels right to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Horror-wise? I want to say 
uh, only because I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on this one. It's a Spanish movie on Netflix called The Platform. Okay. The Platform. I, that sounds it's, so familiar. That's, is yeah, that like the it's class? It's kind of like the class good. system one? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yes. Jumping yes. on capitalism, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Which I'm already in. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm in. Yeah, I hope you like it. <laughs> it's because I'm 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 similar to you, Steve. Where like, obviously, I'm proud to be a part of Terrifier, but it's not the type of horror movie that I would like seek out necessarily to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are some wonderful slashers, that being one of them. But I typically go in a more like su- like it follows psychological psychological. Direction. Um, oh, yeah, you're coming back like, for the follows be... episode. Yes, please. I like. I need to be like deeply disturbed. Like I need to leave the theater and like question everything. That's what I want. Speaking to my soul, Jenna. Absolutely. (laughs) So that would be my horror recommendation. I hope you like it. Oh, and also bonus horror recommendation. Uh, So at the Overlook Film Festival, which uh, Renfield was the opening night film, so I ended up just going to the whole thing because I love movies. The secret screening was a movie called Talk to Me. It comes out in July. It's, it's so good. I haven't seen it, seen it yet. Seen it already? I, <sighs> I, I, I was, I was lucky enough to see it at South by, and it fucking yes. rips. It's so good. Sean, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm devastated. Yeah, I didn't get to go. He got to go for something else. Uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, I've well, been talking yeah. About eventually. It. Make sure to see it when it comes out because it's opening night. Like that, that, yeah. that still fucks me up like that i was not okay after i saw that we're going to we're going to uh have you back on at the end of july okay. we're going to talk about talk to me and it follows perfect 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 <laughs> and and the re-release of terrifier because that's happening yes in july. Yeah. there you go <laughs> yes. what, what great time perfect um i think i want to for for non-horror i'm gonna i'm gonna do two Okay. For for non horror wrecks, one because you mentioned space, Aniara, Aniara, A N I A R A, I think it's spelled. Okay, it is from one of the Nordic countries. I want to say Sweden, but I feel uncultured because it might be Switzerland, and my brain is confusing them because of the letters. Um, Sweden, but Aniara, Sweden, bam, mm-hmm. got him. I shouldn't shouldn't doubt myself. That's the moral here. Yeah, it's that movie. It's um. It, it's existential horror in a way, but it's don't go in expecting a horror. It's really more of a drama, okay. but it's just very, very dark and poetic and like so bleak. If you like bleak shit, Love that's, it. that's the one. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. The, uh, the poster for it is trippy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a whole like the red dot illusion. and the like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Big fan of yeah. that. Okay. It's, I mean, I, maybe I won't tell you anything about it because don't, maybe you should just watch it. Okay, yeah, we'll just go yep, in. Just we'll go we in trust blind. you. Don't read me. Yeah, about completely it. trust yeah. you. Yep. It doesn't have the best reviews, but I'm convinced that it's because it's it's a very un-American movie. Like it's a slow burn, but it's yeah. I think it's excellent. Um, Beautiful. And then my other one would be uh, to shout out another indie movie. Uh, there's a movie called Coherence that is Coherence. one Coherence. of my favorite movies of all time. It is it is very very indie. Like, you know, they, they clearly shot it very bare bones, but the script is is unbelievable, and the concept is really really cool, and it's just it's it's a high concept sci fi, but done for like no money. I was 2013 sci fi thriller. 
Mm-hmm. Probably that. Okay. That sounds cool. right. That sounds right. All it, right. It's like the poster right. I think is like a blonde woman, two of her. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. the one. All right. Yeah. That's the one. Perfect. Wow. Okay. These that's are stuff to watch. These are great recommend. We got we got capitalism. We got bleak space stuff. <laughs> we got a great film that Sean hasn't seen yet. And then we got yeah. we got coherence about about comets. All right. This is beautiful. We're gonna. It's not about these. comets. Well, it's about, about you'll, I don't want to tell involves, you what it's about. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. The yeah. comment is the setup. I'll stop reading Wikipedia yeah. for that. Uh, yeah, don't read. Don't read. I didn't want to read a it. thing. Yeah, yeah nope. I look at an image. You should not read about before you go in because it's it's a Perfect. ride. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Jenna, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your recommendations. We appreciate your thoughts and everything that we've talked about. We'll have you back soon uh, if you if you would indulge us in coming back. Um, thank you so much for for being on the show. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all. And tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. See for Smart Energy. Stay focused. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to our interview with Jenna Cannell. Thanks again to Jenna for joining us on the show. We're about to wrap it up. But before that, uh, this episode will be coming out early and ad-free on Amazon and Wondery Plus, as always. And if you're one of our early listeners, it's Mother's Day, or it's the day after Mother's Day. Day. And we... Happy birthday, Mom. That's not what that means. (laughs) Uh, We are... I I want to know, can you show me? Last year, we did our top five moms in horror with our our good good friend, Brandon. Um, I want to know, Sean, if you had to have a mom from a horror film. What mom would it Whoa. be? Well, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, yeah, that's why it's a good question. I guess immediately the, yeah, immediately. I'm looking, I'm looking through some list of great, which I, I'm going to, I want to give uh, a list of some wrecks today on, on some, mm-hmm. some horror movies you know, that I think you should watch. Some of them will be the, the same ones we said last year, but some I don't think we mentioned, but uh, mm-hmm. immediately the, the first one that comes to mind right now is, um, is the mom from silent Hill. And I don't remember that character's name. Um, but talk about going through the ringer for your kid. Dude. She really talk about, does. Yeah. Talk about like dedication. Um, it looks like her name was Rose da Silva, Rose da Silva. Rose da Silva. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, fights her way through an entire town of supernatural monsters to save her adopted daughter in Silent Hill. Um, if you guys haven't seen Silent Hill, I mean, we've talked about it a million times. Love Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch that. Uh, I'm going to put that on my Mother's Day rec. But yeah, dude, Rose, If I want I want that. I, I think that that's the, okay. the kind of dedication mom needs. What about you? I So mine is going to be a little out of left field, and it's one that I thought mm-hmm. about uh, just a little while ago. Um, the mom from Lamb, while she isn't a mother of an actual child, Ada is a lamb. Um, she loves Ada more than anything. And while things may not end up the way that she wanted, uh, that sort of (laughs) unconditional love, uh, is, you know, I, I want the look like Melanie Linsky, uh, with a baby goat. I just want someone to, to care for me in that way. Um, some people may, may get that reference. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to say the mom from Lamb, whose name I can't take think of off the top of my head. Um, I'll take it. That's good. God, Those that are movie. both good answers. That yeah. was a movie. I'd like to rewatch it. I'd like to. I think sure. I was expecting something crazy different and yeah. don't really think I got what I wanted, but that doesn't make it bad. And a lot of people seem to love it. So maybe I'll. I'll give it it a was interesting. Try. I I, yeah. I didn't hate it. I'd be very curious to go back and listen to exactly what we said post watching that movie. Um, yeah, did we but, talk? We oh yeah, we had to have talked about it on the show. I'm sure that we did. Yeah, I remember yeah. specifically going to see. Yeah, there's no way we didn't talk about it. We at least we at least had a brief, brief uh, you know conversation about it. I want to take a moment um, and congratulate my mom on her divorce. <laughs> um, go mom! <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, dude, she's wow. like. She was stressed. Kelsey, for, give us some been... air horns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Go mom. I'm actually going to show her this, show her this clip, uh, letting everybody yeah. know. Uh, it's been a grueling process. I'm obviously not going to go into a bunch of details, but it, it's gone on longer than it should have. And, uh, and, but things, things are looking up and, um, and she's winning that situation is what I'll say about it. So go mom. <laughs> That's a great um, way to celebrate mother's day. Is with, yeah exactly news. straight yeah. up <laughs> we had a we we laughed a lot earlier while she caught me up on all the details um good do you good. have any and we're not making a whole game of it but do you have any uh specific mother's day recs that you want to do or should we should we mix them up i don't know maybe i'm how do you want to do this mother's day recs i don't mm-hmm. i mean specific i don't have Mother's okay. Day. Rex. We didn't plan my this. my rec uh, today is about women, but not mothers. Um, I think if I had to recommend anything about a mother, I mean, listen, Coraline is a go-to. Um, I think since we last did our uh, game last Mother's Day, Barbarian. Mm-hmm is another good mother go-to for, for, for mom horror. Um, yeah, again, that's kind, true. Of, kind of out of the box. <laughs> that's <there>. very true. <laughs> um, Rosemary's baby is amazing. Um, yeah, of course. And another one that I've, I really along the same lines as, as lamb that I really want to give another try. Cause I didn't love it as much as I wanted to is the lodge. There's not a lot of mother stuff there, but there's enough mother stuff. Yeah. Um, for that to count in my book. So, 
Mm-hmm. Those are those are my three. It's definitely a movie that touches on that relationship. Um, yeah, I think last time when we played the game, I don't know if we all did, but I think I was trying to focus on on scary mothers, um, yeah. scariest mothers. You had like in the, Mother in the Agra show. or whatever her name was. Mother Agra, yo, from okay, well, she's not scary, but Mother Agra from Dark Crystal. Um, yeah. I think I picked uh, Carrie's mom, whose name I can't remember right now. I don't know why, but um, something white. Uh, what's her name? Mrs. White is what we'll say. But uh, I know that we, I think Coulter probably said the Queen Xenomorph. Um, but this yep. year, I want to, I want to focus on the moms that I think really go above and beyond for their kids. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock in Rose Da Silva from Silent Hill, like mm-hmm. I said. Uh, I also want to do uh, D. Wallace's character from Cujo, whose character's name I don't remember in this moment. Mm-hmm. It will come to me as I scroll. Uh, Donna Trenton's <laughs> Donna Trenton um, from Cujo. Yep. And I think I was going to just say Rosemary's baby again, because I love that movie, mm-hmm. but you said it. Um, so instead I am going to say Wendy Torrance from the shining. Uh, just, just moms, just mama bears that are, are there to protect their cubs. Uh, I also want yeah. to, to mention that while we didn't exactly love the newest evil dead, I think that, uh, Evil Dead Rise would be a good theater watch. Alyssa Sutherland. This Day. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah. True. You got, there's a lot of mom movies to watch, guys. Yeah. Get out there. Worst mom in horror cinema. Go. Uh, dude, it, literally, Carrie's mom is like the first one that I could I was going to say um, Carrie's mom sucks. Yeah. yeah. But also, dude, there's... Okay, so this is kind of fucked up and a bit side whatever, but the movie The Girl Next Door, which is based off of a true story, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know about that, but basically this Nothing. this woman this woman kept... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was her niece um, in a basement, like locked up in this basement and and had her sons and like neighborhood kids like, like I'm pretty sure, uh, like beat her and sexually assault her and they starved her and just all this terrible. It's a really Holy fucked shit. up movie. It's based off of a real thing. So that might be the worst mom. Um, yeah. In, yeah, in well, cinema. Um, we're we're going to say worst, <laughs> worst non-based on true events. Mom. Is yeah. Carrie, uh, well then, Carrie's yeah. Mom. Yeah. Carrie's mom is, is the first one that comes to mind, but there's mom some bad who ones. has mom who has the, the least control of her situation. I guess, I feel like Rosemary's baby is probably a good one. Dude, the mom from the witch just can't catch a fucking break. Just That's can't. True. I think her name's Catherine. Can't catch a break. Um, tough, tough luck um, in that movie. Uh, I guess Annie is another second. one from Hereditary, but well, yes, yeah, definitely. In terms of not being able to uh, to control from their the situation, get-go. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, a quiet place, a quiet place, mom. Um, oh yeah, Emily, Emily Blunt. But I'm trying to remember the character, Evelyn. She's a badass though. Yeah, dude. Uh, in terms of not being able to control the situation, I mean, but honestly, she shouldn't have been able to control the situation. But she has. She ends up. Oh yeah. Getting it all. Yeah. Yeah. Mom no, she, movies, guys. She she kills it. Mom movies, good subgenre of horror. Um, yeah. Do you have any any non Mother's Day recs? Yeah. Um, any mostly kind of mostly horror recommendations? Yeah. Um, so one of my, it's a two-parter. One of my recs is guys, the weather's a lot nicer. I know us horror fans. The weather outside is weather. Yep. 
it's weathering and it's weathering a little bit better than it was before though it was it, it, it can be a little warm humid at the moment but um mm-hmm. but guys we've been locked up all winter watching mm-hmm. a bunch of scary movies i know mm-hmm. that you're not getting outside enough go outside and sit. we we went to the, uh, central park today and we set up mm-hmm. some blankets and some sitting situations and we read and we listened to music and we chatted and it was really nice so i recommend that um but my other recommendation Good recommendation comes because of Tubi and I rewatched Ghost Rider the other day. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> yeah. And I never liked that movie. Just is that Nicolas real. Cage? That is Nicky Cage, dude. Wow, Nicky Cage. I and I, I don't know if it's just because I seen Nick Cage in a different light now. Um not yeah. that I like dislike Nick Cage then, but like knowing yeah. all of the different weird things he's doing now, I think it put yeah. Ghost Rider in a different perspective for me. And the CGI is still not great, but dude, that movie's fun. If you don't like if you don't if you don't at least kind of have fun watching that movie, then it's because you don't know how to have fun. So everybody yeah. give give Ghost Rider another shot, especially if it's been a few years. Yeah. What about you, good, Steve? What a weird recommendation (laughs) um i have a film from 1977 that i want to recommend and i tried to look back and see if i've ever recommended it before and i don't think i have um this is a film directed by robert altman starring shelly duvall and sissy spacek again 1977 so uh we got wendy and and carrie dude um it's called three women and i would not look up anything about it um the most that i can tell you uh or or would like to tell you is um sissy spacex starts working at a spa that shelly duvall works at and uh their lives become intertwined and it is in the genre of uncomfortable films that i so love and that jenna spoke about in our interview um it is so well done if you're a if you're a big cinephile, it's very very similar to the film Persona by Ingmar Bergman, um, that is like a you know like top ten film for a lot of big filmmakers. Um, so I have to recommend it. It's it is so good and and very uncomfortable, and you get to see these um, you get to see Shelley Duvall in a second movie because you've only ever seen yeah. Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Don't lie to me and tell me you've seen her in anything else. <laughs> and then you also get to see Sissy. Uh, Spacek, who is an amazing actress, as well as Shelley is. Um, so yeah, Three Women is my recommend Hell recommendation yeah. uh, this week. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. You can let us you send us an email. Let us know if you've watched any other Shelley Duvall movies besides The Shining. Lie to us and send us an email. Tell us about the other movies that you've seen Shelley Duvall in, um, even though you're a fibber. And we said that in our intro um you're a fibber but send us an email mostly horror movie night at gmail.com if you want to send us a dm about uh the movies that you've seen shelly duvall in you can do that our instagram is at mostly horror pod or do it on twitter at mostly horror i am on all the socials at steven is average and sean is everywhere at hypocrite inc or hypocrite.inc and that is all we have for you this week we'll catch you next time goodbye Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Mostly Horror early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or 
You can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have a crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.